Chapter Three of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. Who then invested you with the mission to announce to people that there is no God? What advantage find you in persuading man that nothing but blind force presides over his destinies, and strikes haphazard both crime and virtue? It was some time before midnight when the stranger returned home. His apartments were situated in one of those vast abodes, which may be called an epitome of Paris itself. The cellars rented by mechanics, scarcely removed a step from paupers, often outcasts and fugitives from the law, often by some daring writer, who after scattering amongst the people doctrines the most subversive of order, or the most libelous, on the characters of priest, minister, and king, retired among the rats to escape the persecution and attends the virtuous the ground floor occupied by shops the entresol by artists the principal stories by nobles and the garrets by journeymen or grisettes as the stranger passed up the stairs a young man of a form and countenance singularly underpossessing emerged from a door in the entresol and brushed beside him his glance was furtive sinister savage and yet timorous the man's face was of an ashen paleness and the features worked convulsively the stranger paused and observed him with the thoughtful looks as he hurried down the stairs while he thus stood he heard a groan from the room which the young man had just quitted the latter had pulled to the door with hasty vehemence but some fragment probably of fuel had prevented its closing and now it stood slightly ajar the stranger pushed it open and entered he passed a small anteroom, meanly furnished, and stood in a bedchamber of meagre and sordid discomfort. Stretched on the bed, and writhing in pain, lay an old man. A single candle lit the room, and threw its feeble ray over the furrowed, death-like face of the sick person. No attendant was by. He seemed left alone, to breathe his last. "'Water,' he moaned feebly. "'Water! I parch! I burn!' the intruder approached the bed and bent over him and took his hand oh bless thee john bless thee said the sufferer hast thou brought back the physician already sir i am poor but i can pay you well i would not die yet for that young man's sake and he sat upright in his bed and fixed his dim eyes anxiously on his visitor what are your symptoms your disease fire 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 in the heart the entrails i burn how long is it since you have taken food food only this broth there is the basin all i have taken these six hours i had scarce drunk it ere these pains began the stranger looked at the basin some portion of the contents was yet left there who administered this to you who jean who else who else should i have no servant none i am poor very poor sir but no you physicians do not care for the poor i am rich can you cure me yes if heaven permit but wait a few moments the old man was fast sinking under the rapid effects of poison the stranger repaired to his own apartments and returned in a few moments with some preparation that had the instant result of an antidote the pain ceased the blue livid color receded from the lips the old man fell into a profound sleep the stranger drew the curtains around the bed took up the light and inspected the apartment the walls of both rooms were hung with drawings of masterly excellence a portfolio was filled with sketches of equal skill but these were mostly subjects that appalled the eye and revolted the taste 
they displayed the human figure in every variety of suffering the rack the wheel the gibbet all that cruelty has invented to sharpen the pangs of death seemed yet more dreadful from the passionate gusto and earnest force of the designer and some of these countenances of those thus delineated were sufficiently removed from the ideal to show that they were portraits in large bold irregular hand was written beneath these drawings the future of the aristocrats in a corner of the room and close by an old bureau was a small bundle over which as if to hide it a cloak was thrown carelessly several shelves were filled with books these were almost entirely the works of the philosophers of the time the philosophers of the material school especially the encyclopedists whom robespierre afterwards so singularly attacked when the crowd deemed it unsafe to leave his reign without a god a volume lay on the table it was one of voltaire and the page was opened at his argumentative assertion of the existence of the supreme being the margin was covered with pencilled notes in the stiff but tremulous hand of old age all in attempt to refute or to ridicule the logic of the sage of fernie voltaire did not go far enough for the annotator the clock struck two when the sound of steps was heard without the stranger silently seated himself on the farther side of the bed and its drapery screened him as he sat from the eyes of a man who now entered on tiptoe it was the same person who had passed him on the stairs the newcomer took up the candle and approached the bed the old man's face turned to the pillow but he lay so still and his breathing was so inaudible that his sleep might well by that hasty shrinking guilty glance be mistaken for the repose of death the newcomer drew back and a grim smile passed over his face he replaced the candle on the table opened the bureau with the key which he took from his pocket and loaded himself with several rolios of gold that he found in the drawers at this time the old man began to wake he stirred he looked up he turned his eyes towards the light now waning in its socket he saw the robber at his work he sat erect for an instant as if transfixed more even by astonishment than terror at last he sprang from his bed just heaven do i dream thou 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 for whom i toiled and starved thou the robber started the gold fell from his hand and rolled on the floor what he said art thou not dead yet has the poison failed poison boy ah shrieked the old man and covered his face with his hands then with a sudden energy he exclaimed jean jean recall that word rob plundering me if thou wilt but do not say thou couldst murder one who only lived for thee there there take the gold i hoarded it but for thee go go and the old man who in his passion had quitted his bed fell at the feet of the foiled assassin and writhed on the ground the mental agony more intolerable than that of the body which he had so lately undergone the robber looked at him with hard disdain whatever have i done to thee wretch cried the old man but what loved and cherished thee thou wert an orphan an outcast i nurtured nursed adopted thee as thy son if men call me a miser it was but that none might despise thee my heir because nature has stunted and deformed thee when i was no more thou wouldst have had it all when i was dead couldst thou not spare me a few months or days nothing to thy youth all that is left to my age what have i done to thee thou hast continued to live and thou wouldst make no will mon dieu mon dieu ton dieu thy god fool 
hast thou not told me from my childhood that there is no god hast thou not fed me on philosophy hast thou not said be virtuous be good be just for the sake of mankind but there is no life after this life mankind why should i love mankind hideous and misshapen mankind jeer at me as i pass the streets what hast thou done to me thou hast taken away from me who am the scoff of this world the hopes of another there is no other life well then i want thy gold that at least i may hasten to make the best of this monster curses light on thy ingratitude thy and who hears thy curses thou knowest there is no god mark me i have prepared all to fly see i have my passport my horses wait without relays are ordered i have thy gold and now if i spare thy life how shall i be sure that thou wilt not inform against mine he advanced with a gloomy scowl and a menacing gesture as he spoke the old man's anger changed to fear he cowered before the savage let me live let me live that 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 what i may pardon thee yes thou hadst nothing to fear from me i swear it swear but by whom and what old man i cannot believe thee if thou believest not in any god ha ha hold the result of thy lessons another moment and those murderous fingers would have strangled their prey but between the assassin and his victim rose a form that seemed almost to both a visitor from the world that both denied stately with majestic strength glorious with awful beauty the ruffian recoiled looked trembled and then turned and fled from the chamber the old man fell again to the ground insensible to know how a bad man will act when in power reverse all the doctrines he preaches when obscure s montague antipathies also form a part of magic so called a man naturally has the same instinct as the animals which warns them involuntarily against the creatures that are hostile or fatal to their existence but he so often neglects it that it becomes dormant not so the true cultivator of the great science etc trismegistus the fourth a rosicrucian when he again saw the old man the next day the stranger found him calm and surprisingly recovered from the scene and sufferings of the night he expressed his gratitude to his preserver with tearful fervor and stated that he had already sent for a relation who would make arrangements for his future safety and mode of life for i have money yet left said the old man and henceforth have no motive to be a miser he proceeded then briefly to relate the origin and circumstances of his connection with his intended murderer it seems that earlier in life he had quarrelled with his relations from a difference in opinions of belief rejecting all religion as fable he yet cultivated feelings that inclined him for though his intellect was weak his dispositions were good to that false and exaggerated sensibility which its dupes so often mistake for benevolence he had no children he resolved to adopt an enfant de peuple he resolved to educate this boy according to reason he selected an orphan of the lowest extraction whose defects of person and constitution only yet the more moved his pity and finally engrossed his affection in this outcast not only he loved a son he loved a theory he brought him up most philosophically helvidius had proven to him that education can do all and before he was eight years old the little jean's favorite expressions were light and virtue the boy showed talents especially in art the protector sought for a master who was as free from superstition as himself and selected the painter david 
that person as hideous as his pupil and whose dispositions were as vicious as his professional abilities were undeniable was certainly as free from superstition as the protector could desire it was reserved for robespierre hereafter to make the sanguinary painter believe in the entre supreme the boy was early sensible of his ugliness which was almost preternatural his benefactor found it in vain to reconcile him to the malice of nature by his philosophical aphorisms but when he pointed out to him that in this world money like charity covers a multitude of effects the boy listened eagerly and was consoled to save money for his protege for the only thing in the world he loved this became the patron's passion verily he had met with his reward i am thankful he has escaped said the old man wiping his eyes had he left me a beggar i could never have accused him no for you are the author of his crimes how i who never ceased to inculcate the beauty of virtue explain yourself alas if thy pupil did not make this clear to thee last night from his own lips an angel might come from heaven to preach to thee in vain the old man moved uneasily and was about to reply when the relative he had sent for and who a native of nancy happened to be at paris at the time entered the room he was a man somewhat past thirty and of a dry saturnine meagre countenance restless eyes and compressed lips he listened with many ejaculations of horror to his relations recital and sought earnestly but in vain to induce him to give information against his protege tush tush rene dumas said the old man you are a lawyer you are bred to regard human life with contempt let any man break a law and you shout execute him i cried dumas lifting up his hands and eyes venerable sage how you misjudge me i lament more than any one of the severity of our code i think the state should never take away life no not to even the life of a murderer i agree that a young statesman maximilian robespierre that the executioner is the invention of the tyrant my very attachment to our advancing revolution is that it must sweep away this legal butchery the lawyer paused out of breath the stranger regarded him fixedly and turned pale you change countenance sir said dumas you do not agree with me pardon me i was at the moment repressing a vague fear which seemed prophetic and that was that we should meet again when your opinions on death and the philosophy of the revolutions might be different never you enchant me cousin rene said the old man who had listened to his relation with delight ah i see you have proper sentiments of justice and philanthropy why did i not seek to know you before you admire the revolution you equally with me detest the barbarity of kings and the fraud of priests detest how could i love mankind if i did not and the old man said hesitatingly you do not think with this noble gentleman that i erred in the precepts that i instilled into that wretched man erred was socrates to blame if alcibiades was an adulterer and a traitor you hear him you hear him but socrates also had a plato henceforth you shall be a plato to me you hear him exclaimed the old man turning to the stranger but the latter was at the threshold who shall argue with the most stubborn of all bigotries the fanaticism of unbelief are you going exclaimed dumas and before i have thanked you blessed you for the life of this dear and venerable man oh if ever i can repay you if ever you want the heart's blood of rene dumas 
thus volubly delivering himself he followed the stranger to the threshold of the second chamber and there gently detaining him and looking over his shoulder to be sure that he was not heard by the owner he whispered i ought to return to nancy one would not lose one's time don't you think sir that that scoundrel took away all the old fool's money was it thus plato spoke of socrates monsieur dumas ha ha you are caustic well you have a right sir we shall meet again again muttered the stranger and his brow darkened he hastened to his chamber he passed the day and night alone and in his studies no matter of what nature they served to increase his gloom what could ever connect his fate with rene dumas or the fugitive assassin why did the buoyant air of paris seem to him heavy with the steams of blood why did the instinct urge him to fly from those sparkling circles from that focus of the world's awakened hopes warning him from return he whose lofty existence defied but away these dreams and omens he leaves france behind back o italy to thy majestic wrecks on the alps his soul breathes the free air once more free air alas let the world healers exhaust their chemistry man shall never be as free in the market-place as on the mountain but we reader we to escape from these scenes of false wisdom clothing godless crime away once more away to the loftier realm where the pure dwellers are unpolluted by the actual the ideal lives only with art and beauty sweet viola by the shores of the blue parthenope by virgil's tomb and the chimerian cave we return to thee once more end of chapter three recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceover-solutions.com